You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. It's so good to see you guys this morning. Always great to see you in person. Great to see your lovely faces. Also wonderful to know that many of you are joining us online. So wherever you are, welcome. And we have been in this series that we just started called Boomer XYZ, where we talk about the generations how we interact with each other, how we can love each other better, how we can communicate with each other better. And to start, we're gonna sing a medley of songs from the different decades, because every generation has a soundtrack. There are moments of time where God's doing something and songs get birthed out of that. And so the songs that we sing at church are often from these different generations. So we're gonna go through a journey starting with the 1940s into the 1980s, all the way through the early 2000s, and into now. And you, if you grew up around church, you might recognize some of these songs and just ask you to sing along. But even if you don't know any of them, it's still a beautiful moment for you to just lean back and, and again reaffirm what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. So would you stand with me? And we're just gonna go on this worship journey together through the decades. Here we go.
Come on, can we give that up? That was amazing. Let's go. I loved it. It was so good. Oh, man, come on. You can have a seat. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Drew. We're taking all of us on a little journey through the ages, through this worship medley. And honestly, this is exactly what we're talking about in our series. It's called Boomer XYZ. And if you were joining us last week, we talked about why that was so important. This week, we're talking about what do we do? What do we say? What exactly, uh, how do we approach uh, crossing the generational borders? So we're really excited for that. Well, hey, just a couple announcements for us before we get started. Number one, my name is Drew. Hi, welcome to Kensington. Um, I work with our young adults ministry, which is ages 18 through 29. And I just want to say, if you know a young person or you are a young person, um, I would be thrilled to invite you to our Tuesday night gatherings that meet here at our Troy location. Um, Every week, you can expect free dinner. There you go. That's all I have to say, really. But yes, free dinner. It's usually like from Chipotle, Mediterranean. We got Alibi Pizza. I mean, we got the stops here at Troy. So all of it to say, if you're a young person, we meet Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. And we have a really conversational type of ministry to really get to know people. Because I think there's one thing that's really clear about this generation is that everybody wants to be known and needed. And so sometimes even in gatherings like this, it can be intimidating because it's just, you know, maybe there's some anonymity. But we, we really care about reaching the next generation through what's going on in their life, their heart, and their mind. So if you are interested, please come talk to me after service. I would be thrilled to connect to you or the person that you know um, to our, our gathering that happens every Tuesday night. Well, hey, school season's upon us. Now, uh, does any, is anyone else weird? Like, I don't go to school. I haven't had to shop for school. But does anybody, whenever you see school supplies, like, you get really excited to organize your year again. Anybody, like, wish you could, like, buy school supplies even though you don't need any of it anymore? I love it. Um, well, hey, if, if you notice, out in our lobby, we have trash bins because every year uh, we collect school supplies for school partners, for teachers, and for students who are who don't maybe have the resources. Now, my mom, she was a teacher um, in Pontiac for five years, and she always had to pay out of pocket for stuff. And I mean, you know how lavishly the teachers get paid, right? So if you want to be, you know, generous and you want to really meet some students, you can even write notes to students for the year, and you can drop it in our trash bins in our lobby. Just notice them as you leave. Or if maybe, you know, you want to do more of the Amazon kind of internet route, um, we do have a, a link, kensingtonchurch.org slash school partners, where you actually can give, you know, donate electronically, and that helps serve our local community as well. Well, hey, another kind of really great opportunity is that we have partnered with the English Language Development uh, Program in the Troy School Districts. And we're hosting a day where we can all connect with international families from other countries around the world who are new to the area and help assimilate them into the Troy School District. And this is happening Saturday, August 20th from 8 a.m. to noon. And so if you are interested in just being there to help talk with, to help, you know, host a table for international families who are trying to, you know, still learn English and get to know our school system and administration um, and really serve and love our neighbors as Jesus has called us to do, then join us on Saturday, August 20th. And, and here's what you want to do if, you, if, you, if you're interested at all. Go to the hub and talk to my dear friend Suzanne or talk to anyone at the hub. They can help provide more resources for you to jump in and make this an awesome opportunity for you to serve and get to know people um, in our community. Well, hey, the reason why I'm up here, if I'm being quite honest, is because I'm here to have a little fun. Are you here to have a little fun? Okay, I heard heard that y'all like to have fun. So here's what we're going to do. Because we're doing this Generation Series, y'all, we're doing a little slang trivia 
competition. That's right. We're going all the way back to the 80s. I don't know why I'm doing this right now. We're going back to the 80s, and we're going to look at slang, and then we're going to look at what all these, you know, young kids say these days that none of us understand. So I need two people from each generation. So I need two people who are in their 50s, and I need two people who are under 35, because, um, you know, I know how y'all th- under 30s don't like to participate. So, so really quick, all you have to do, and I'm going to give a disclaimer. There's no performance. I'm not going to force you to say any words. Literally, it's just guessing A, B, or C. So it hopefully removes all the intimidation. So are there two people who want to help play the game we're calling cap or fact, or fact or cap? I forget what it's called. The game slide will come up in a moment. But I need two people who are in their 50s who want to volunteer because they believe they know the, the, the slang of the generation. All right, two people from their 50s. Don't be shy on me. Where, where, wait, oh, did I see a hand? Did I see a hand? Right, one. Awesome, come on up. All right, we need one more. Two, come on up. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Give our volunteers a round of applause. All right. Where are my people under 35? I need two people under 35. Where are you at? Where are you at? Hold on. I can't see your hands. One, let's go. All right. We need one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Two, let's go, my boy. All right. Come on up to the stage. Can we give our volunteers a round of applause? Welcome to our game, Cap or Fact. Uh, You will be Team X for the X generation. If you want to come forward, we're going to call you uh, Team Z, even though you might be Team Y as well, Millennial Land. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read a slang term from the other generation, and we're going to read them together, and I'm going to give you five seconds to guess the answer correctly. That's all you have to do. Make sense? Awesome. Let's put our first slang term up on the screen. Number one, this one is for Team Z over here. Ready? If you want to step forward and read the screen. The slang term is, where's the beef? Does that mean A, a catchphrase that asks if there's more of something, B, a question of whether there's a grudge or problem that exists between two people, or C, a playful joke that pretends you can't see someone's great fitness progress? All right, collaborate with each other. Which one is it? Oh, okay. They're going with B. Is that the answer? Give us the answer is A. Oh, yes, it's actually a famous Wendy's commercial. A grandma says, where's the beef? And so it's like, is that all? Is that it? All right. All right, you guys have a chance to pull ahead here. All right, so let's put our question on the board. Slang term is no cap. So does that mean A, going full throttle into something, you're going to blow the lid off? Does, Does it mean B, not having a maximum amount of something, there's no cap? Or C, not lying or deceiving someone, no exaggeration? Give me your answer in five, four, three, two, one. A. A. It is C. It's not lying or deceiving someone. No cap. See? Man, this is tough. I made it tough on purpose. All right. Over to Team Z. Let's give our next slang term. The slang term is Betty or Super Betty. No relations to Young Gravy for all the young kids. Doesn't mean A, usually a mother type who exhibits warm, nurturing qualities. B, an older woman who is too old school and is always having a cow, (laughs) you know. Or C, a sweet, attractive girl specifically of the next door nature. Give me your answer in five, four, three, two, one. B, it is C, a sweet, attractive girl of the next door nature. (laughs) It's actually been repopularized by Riverdale with Betty. All right. We're, we're looking for the lead here, right? Slang term is push and pee. Does it mean A, using intimidation to confront people or haters in an aggressive manner? 
Or B, approaching player status as someone who keeps things real. C, fastly gathering paper due to your meteoric ascent to fame. Give me your answer. It's, it's B. Is it B? It's B! You're approaching player status. You're pushing P. We love that. All right. We got to get the tie. Ready? Next term is to Ralph. Does it mean, A, you're so disgusted by something that you want to be gagged with a spoon and metaphorically vomit? Does it mean, B, A, not to surf in culture, described as a gnarly guy who's rod? Or C, to consume high amounts of food and drink when you are under influence to scarf? Which one is it? Five, four, three, two, one. C? No, it's A. You want to metaphorically vomit. Man, so far we got the X-Gen coming in hot. Next term, to simp. Does it typically mean a male who is desperate for the attention of their crush? Or a simpleton is someone who's not aware of the real matters of life or social interactions? Or is it C, a person who possesses skills that make life simple, like a video game on easy mode? Answer, five, four, three, two, one. B. B? It is A, it's usually a male who's doing the most, as the kids would say, to try to win over their crush. All right, we're coming back. Do you have an opportunity to tie this thing up? All right, the slang term is, yeah, that's the ticket. Does it mean A, a phrase that refers uh, to hit the nail on the head? B, an emphatic agreement of plans with your homeboys and homegirls? Or C, a phrase used to punctuate painfully implausible lies? Your answer, five, four, three, two, one. A? No! Trick question! See, A is what it traditionally means, but in C, it was used on Saturday Night Live with John Lovitz, you remember in the 80s, where he'd lie and say something and go, yeah, that's the ticket. See, the context matters. See, some of you are laughing. All right, I think we got, all right, caught in 4K. This is the slang term. This means when someone gets caught in a lie so clear, it's practically in 4K video quality. Does it mean B, to be incriminated with concrete digital evidence on camera by someone else, or C, to be caught direct messaging or texting someone you weren't supposed to be? Hmm, five, four, three, two, one is C. It is A. Oh, man, this is hard. <laughs> All right, we got two more questions. Ready? Slang term, I know, yeah. Yuppie. Is it someone who is shabby, gross, or grody to the max? B, a wealthy young person with an Ivy League degree and high-paying city job, or C, a spoiled child who swallows the opinions of their parents. Five, four, three, two, one. B, that is right, finally. Oh, yes, it's usually they wear Lacoste and they are snobbish. All right, and finally, two, two for the win, Chugi. Is it A, a person who believes they're trendy when they're actually basic? B, descriptive of an attractive person whose qualities that make them unattractive? Or C, millennials in the early 2010s who believe they're trendy, but they're actually cringy? Which one is it? Five, four, three, two, one. Which one is it? A? It is C for our millennial older siblings who say girl boss and live, laugh, love. It's Chugi. All right, can we give it up for our contestants? It's a tie game. Thank you so much for participating. That is all, everybody. Thank you. All right, well, hey, we're going to get right to our service. Why don't you go ahead and stand up if you're able, meet somebody next to you, and tell them the slang term that was your favorite that you learned today.
Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you answered more than three of those questions right? Just by a quick show of hands. Wow, that's like, that's pretty impressive. Okay, I think I was at like one or two. And so you guys are a lot better than I am. And I feel like that is such a perfect game for this series that we're in. Because today we're in the second series, or second week of our series, Boomer XYZ. And really the heart of this series, what it's all about, is that we're talking about the importance of having intergenerational relationships and healthy intergenerational relationships. And if you were here with us last week, one of the things that we did right off the bat is that we defined what each generation is and who exactly is in each generation because just to have this conversation, that is so important. And just for a refresher for us, this is how we defined each of the generations. The silent generation being those born before 46, the boomers between 46 to 64, and then who I would consider to be the greatest generation in humanity, Gen Xers, 65 to 80. Yes, I am a Gen Xer as well, thank you. And then we have the much maligned millennials. I'm sorry you guys have been really, really maligned a lot, but you all are born between 81 and 96. You have Gen Z from 97 to 2012. And then the most recent generation, which is 2013 to the present time. And so we not only defined each of the generations last week, but we also talked about why it's absolutely essential for the older generation. And when, I, when we're talking about the older generation in this series, we're really talking about anyone who has another generation coming up after them. And so this includes the silent generation and boomers and Gen X, but it also includes millennials as well as Gen Z because, we, because for those of you who are millennials and Gen Z, you have generation alpha coming up after you. And so we talked about why it's absolutely essential for those of us who are older to invest in the younger generation. So we talked about the why, and so today we wanted to talk about the what. What are we giving? What are we in fact passing on to the next generation? Because we're passing something on. And this something will either move this next generation towards Jesus or away from him. And so in talking about this today, we wanted to actually continue the conversation that began last week between four people from four very different generations. And this is the issue that they are going to be leaning into today. So let's check out this video together. So uh, what can the Gen Xers and the Boomers bestow upon us with all their wisdom and life experience? Yeah, a lot of Gen Zers are leaving the church right now. And we look at why and we ask the questions of, okay, what can we do to, you know, keep them in the church, to lead them towards Jesus? And I really think that, you know, Gen Z believes that you guys have the wisdom but we have to figure out a way to, you know, obtain that from you. Like both ourselves seeking it out, but also, you know, that middle ground, like meeting in the middle to learn. Our generation craves us older people that truly have the person promises and ways of Jesus leading every area of their life. And it's abundantly clear that those are what consume you. 
not your work, not your, your views, your preferences on life, but like Jesus is gonna be the bottom line. Having older uh, generations be that in my life, um, especially through these times where it's tempting, no matter who you are, to, to find different things to grab on, that's gold. Because there's so many things that are moving and we try and get in the middle of and try and figure out, like we live in this in-between space where we're willing to consider all sides and really understand. And to have a true north uh, person who is fo lasered focused on Jesus, who's generations ahead of me, that's a gift. And uh, I just crave more of that from, from Gen Xers and, and boomers. Just to be able to give you something different um, or even the same thing from a different perspective, you know, um, understanding that it comes from a place of love, the love of Christ, because otherwise we're always gonna be going in circles about how we're gonna do this, when we're gonna get it done, when we have the time to do it, we have to be intentional and in imparting that into you, whatever way, you know, fits what you need. What I would really like to see for your generation is to have decades of answered prayers in your life, where, mm -hmm. where uh, like I've seen in my life, where mm -hmm. God has moved profoundly and, and opened doors I never a lot of that comes from having a, a knowledge of the promises of God in Scripture. God is faithful. And he's yes. faithful in our generation. He's faithful in your generation. He will do abundantly above all you ask or think. And we, we have so many mistakes to share, don't we? Yeah. And, and, so, and so many uh, times we thought we had all the answers. We didn't. And how, how God has moved profoundly. And if you could just get a couple of those stories and tucked away in the just know he's whatever you face we, we just love how you're moving forward but let's go with biblical orthodoxy let's go with a commitment to god's word and and let's bring everybody we can right reach the one disciple the 99 yes and one of the things that i love about these conversations that we're having and we're actually going to see the third part next week is that these four people i love their courage i love their humility i love their honesty. And something that once again, we saw again this week is that even though we may be from different generations, and sometimes we may think, what does a 20-year-old have in common with somebody in their 70s or their 80s? But what these conversations reveal is that there are significant similarities and that there is common ground. And we actually saw it and we heard it a lot in this video in that the older generation, they want to invest and the younger generation wants to be invested into. And so the question that we wanna wrestle with today is that what are we actually going to pass on to this younger generation that is so desiring to be invested into? What are we giving to them? And in really wrestling with this question today, we're gonna to be looking at a really a remarkable intergenerational relationship that's present in the New Testament. But before we dive into that, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we are grateful. We're grateful for you. We're grateful that we can have this conversation, God. And I know, Lord, just by looking out, that whether it's here in the room and even for those who are watching via stream, Lord, there are people from all different generations, God, connected and gathered here today, Lord. And so we pray that as we have this conversation today, you would show us, you would nudge us, Lord, even convict us, Lord, to move in the direction that you desire, God, to be more open-handed, to be more intentional, whatever that may be, Lord, with the generations around us. Thank you, God, that we were never meant to do this life by ourselves, And we have amazing, amazing people around us that we don't have to. 
So we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your son's powerful name. Amen. And so one of the benefits of getting older in addition to hair loss and weight gain is that we hopefully get a little bit wiser as well. And so one of the things that I came across a a survey, a story actually this past week, and it had to do with some residents in a senior living facility. And these people are in their 80s and 90s, and they had traveled to some extraordinary places, experienced some amazing things in life. And so somebody went up to them and said, what advice, what wisdom would you want to pass on to the next generation? And they had some incredible things to say. And so the first person, Alice, age 94, She said something that was so powerful and that she encouraged us to smile because when we smile, the world smiles with us, right? Isn't that so true? And can we use a little bit more of that in our world? And then you had the next one. You had Bob, age 91. And if you can read it, it's such a beautiful statement that he makes. He says, find someone to love and keep loving them. And when you think about that, that is such a beautiful statement. It's a beautiful picture of what agape love is all about, which is the highest level of love referenced in the Bible. And then that next person, Betty, I believe she's age 94 as well. And she said, take time to relax and sit on your fanny, right? 94 years, and that's what she said, right? And one of the reasons why I picked that is because she said the word fanny, which I love. I feel like that should make a comeback. And then hold this next one for a second, Janelle. This next one is by a man by the name of Richard, right? He is 85 years old lived eight and a half decades, experienced some incredible things. And so when he was asked, what would you pass on to the next generation? This is what he said. This was his wisdom for the next generation. Find a woman with money. That's his advice. He's like, guys, this is what you need to do, right? This is the secret to life. But he wasn't done there because he also said, another piece of advice that he had is don't be a Packers fan, right? So he's either a Packers fan who has been immensely disappointed or he's maybe a Bears fan or whoever it is. Maybe if he lived in Detroit, he'd say, hey, don't be a Lions fan, right? Save yourself the heartache. But it's some incredible advice. And this is the thing that if I was to ask every single person here in the room and for all of you watching on stream, I know that every single one of us, we would have something of value to pass on to the next generation. And this next illustration that I'm going to be talking about is actually from an author and pastor named Andy Stanley. And probably many of us have heard of, heard of the phrase, life is like a box of chocolates. But when we actually think about it, life is also like a treasure chest. Because for every one of us, we're all a unique blend of family experiences, of successes and failures, of cultures, of worldviews, and of relationships. And to live a life that counts, we have to figure out a way to take what we have in our treasure chest and to be able to pass it on to the next generation. And maybe for some of us, when we think about our life and when we think about what's in our treasure chest, we may think that, you know what? I don't have anything of value to pass on. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And some of us are married. And because for some of us, we may not have the model marriage, we may think that we have nothing to offer in this area of our life. Maybe others of us are in our second or our third marriage. And because of that, we think that's the last topic that anyone would ever want to talk to us about. But if we've experienced a difficult marriage, if we've experienced divorce, then we understand the pain associated with these things. And why would we want to just keep that experience to ourselves? 
Why wouldn't we want to share it with somebody else? Why wouldn't we want to share it with someone in the next generation to keep them from experiencing that same pain? Many of us have had incredible leadership opportunities. Some that have gone well, others not so much. And some of us, God has gifted us in such a way that people just naturally follow us. We don't ask them to, we don't even want them to, but every time we look back, there is somebody there. And leading comes so intuitively and so naturally to us that we just think we're being, we just think we're just being me. That we're not doing anything special and we're not anything special. But we have this extraordinary ability that God has given us. And what if we actually pass that down to somebody who's coming up after us, somebody who is younger? Some of us are amazing with money. Others of us have built entire organizations. And many of us have wrestled with our faith. We've rejected it. We've abandoned it. We've deconstructed it. We've run from it. And we've returned to it. Some of us have been ostracized and rejected because of our faith, because of our gender, maybe because of the color of our skin. Some of us understand what it feels like to have that glass ceiling and to hit up against that in the workplace. Others of us have been harassed in the workplace and we've had that terrible experience. And with all of this and so much more, it's all in our treasure chest. And the next generation, they need to hear our stories. They need to hear our wisdom. We need to figure out a way to pass on what is in there because they will, they are either walking through or will walk through similar struggles. But this is the sad part about it. When it comes to our treasure chest, what most people choose to do with what is in here is that many people just choose to bury it. And the reason why that's so sad is that, is that what that means is, is that when this, when we're gone, then everything in here will be gone as well. But for every single one of us, we have the unique opportunity to, we have the unique privilege to offer what's in our treasure chest, the things that we want to talk about the things that we believe that nobody cares about, even the things that we hope nobody finds out about. And we have the privilege to offer it to the next generation so that they can learn, so that they can move in a different way, not make the same mistakes that we did and hopefully create a more beautiful world. And years ago, Andy Stanley said this, and I love this quote. And he said, the value of a life is always determined, is always determined by how much of it was given away. And as we get older and older and older, I feel like we come to realize that in a greater way. And you see this truth, especially play out at a funeral, at somebody's memorial service. And last week, I told you about a friend of mine named Bill Shore. And Bill and I started getting together on a regular basis when he was in his 90s. But up to that point, for decades, what Bill had done is with so many people, he had continued to give away what was in his treasure chest. And he passed away last year. And at his memorial service, there were literally hundreds of people who showed up, people exactly like me, who he had met with over the decades. And he had given them what was in his treasure chest and he had passed on his knowledge, his wisdom, and his experience. And their lives had been significantly impacted. And as we get older, we have our treasure chest gets bigger and we have more to give away as well. And at some point, we'll realize the greatest value, our greatest value in life isn't what we held onto, but rather what we chose to give away. And so what is it exactly can we give away to the next generation? 
And so in talking about that, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at just really an amazing intergenerational relationship that's found in the New Testament. And it was between two men, one named the Apostle Paul and his protege, Timothy. And what we're going to see is, is that we're going to see and focus on three things that Paul chose to give to the younger Timothy. Three things that every single one of us, we all have these things in our treasure box. And every single one of us, starting today, can give these things away. And we can choose to live a more open-handed life. And if you've ever heard of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, this guy was an interesting person. Before he met Jesus, for years... What he did was that he persecuted Jesus followers. He tried to destroy their lives because he believed that he was acting on behalf of God. But everything changed one day when he had this powerful encounter with Jesus while he was traveling towards a town called Damascus. And he realized that the person he had been persecuting was in fact God himself. And so from that moment forward, he devoted his life to spreading this message that he had previously tried to eradicate. And in trying to share the gospel, what Paul did was that he actually went on three missionary journeys to parts of Europe as well as parts of Asia. And on his second journey, he met this young man named Timothy. And at that time, Timothy was probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s. And when Paul met him, he knew, he knew that there was just something special about this guy. And Luke, in the New Testament book of Acts, he actually tells us that this, is, that this young man named Timothy hey, had this incredible reputation with the Jesus followers in his area. And this is what he writes. He says that Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, meaning Timothy. And so Paul wanted, and so it's so well of him that Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And so this is how much he wanted to take Timothy along with him. And the price for Timothy was circumcision, which is no small price. But with Timothy, something that Paul saw in him, because he later hints at this, was that he saw a person of great faith. He saw a leader. He saw somebody of integrity somebody of courage, somebody who could help him in his immediate future. And as he continued to invest in him and empty his treasure chest into him, somebody who could ultimately replace him and continue on his work of sharing and taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And one of the things at this time that I truly believe is that Paul, when he looked at Timothy, he saw, this, he saw things in this young man that probably Timothy didn't even see in himself. And at some point in the relationship, Paul called it out of him. And the very first job that I ever had was at Starbucks when I was 16. And I have a lot of great memories from Starbucks. And one of the great memories that I have is that if you've ever, maybe this is only a Gen X, maybe older millennials, but Nickelback, if you've ever heard of the band Nickelback, they used to rehearse right behind the Starbucks that I worked at. And they would come in every single day before they made it big, right? And they were great, great guys. And so I have all these incredible memories, one of the best jobs I still to this day that I've ever had. But I remember just a few months after I was hired, and it was the summer, I was having an awful Week. It was just one of those weeks where I was just making a ton of mistakes. And so customers were angry at me. My coworkers are frustrated with me. I was frustrated with me. And so one moment in just one day, which was a particularly bad day, my boss pulled me aside and I thought she was going to reprimand me. 
but she actually looked straight in my eyes and she asked me, Andrew, do you know why I hired you? And then she told me that what I saw in your resume, but more importantly, what I saw in you when we met is I saw a leader. I saw somebody who works really hard and I saw someone who's intelligent. And in the past couple of months, you have proven me to be right. You can do this. Can you imagine at 16 years old, your boss telling you that in the midst of one of the, one of the most difficult weeks in this job that you just started, the first ever job that you've had. And that was the first conversation of that nature that anyone had ever had with me. And that, that person, my boss at that time, she saw something in me and she called something out in me that I didn't even see in myself. And the type of conversation that she had with me was an I see in you conversation. And an I see in you conversation is when we not only see, but when we call out greatness in another person. It's when we say to another person, this is what I see in you. I see this passion in you. I see this ability, this gift in you. I see God working powerfully in and through you when you are doing this. And when someone we deeply respect takes the time to not only see, but to call out greatness in us, it's powerful and it has the ability to transform our lives. And that this is what Paul did for Timothy. And this is what every single one of us can do for someone in the next generation as well. Because what Paul gave to Timothy and what we can also give to the next generation is that we can give them out of our treasure chest, we can give them our eyes. Eyes to see. And not only eyes to see, but also to call out the greatness that God has placed in them that they may not even see. And in calling this out, allow them to take a step, a greater step into their God-given identity. What if we actually did that? Not just with our children, but with the younger generation at work, people in our neighborhood, even people in this community. What if we actually gave them our eyes? And in looking at this relationship that Paul had with Timothy, what Paul ultimately did was that he invited Timothy to come on a journey with him. And that this invitation that Paul extended to Timothy wasn't just to work with him, but rather it was to spend time with him and to do life with him. And so what Paul also gave to Timothy is what, is what something else that we can also give to the next generation. And this something else is probably one of the most important and valuable resources that we have. And it's our time. And for every single one of us, probably in our culture, money, but probably more importantly, time is something that is so scarce, so rare, so valuable. So how we actually spend it is so important. And something that I've told dating couples is, is that if you really, really want to get to know your significant other, go on a road trip with them. Because if you go on a road trip, you're really gonna get to know that other person. It's like the ultimate relationship test because you're trapped in a car with that person. I probably shouldn't say trapped, right? Voluntarily stuck, I don't even know what to say, right? But you are in a car with somebody with nowhere to go, right? You have nowhere to go. You're just, you're just sitting there and you're really forced to navigate all these different circumstances with them. And so you're able to see that person more of who they are during that experience. You're able to see how they respond when they're stressed, when they're hungry, when they're frustrated, when they're irritated, when they're angry, all of these different circumstances. You have to navigate awkward silences, right? Because if you're just hanging out, you can just go and do something else, not in the car. 
You also have to settle disagreements and you have to be able to compromise like what music you're gonna listen to, where you're gonna stop for coffee or lunch. And let me tell you that if you're planning to get, be serious in a relationship with someone, maybe even marry someone, whether that person is satisfied with gas station coffee or whether they need a pour over, that is very, very important information. Something that is absolutely essential in every single relationship. And when we look at the life of Paul and Timothy and their relationship, they road trip together. These two guys, they traveled together. They walked long distances together. They ate together, laughed together. They cried together. And so these guys spent so much time together. They really, really knew each other. And we catch a glimpse of this in a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And this is what he said. He said, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. And so Paul repeatedly says to Timothy in this letter, you know, you know, you know, you know me. Because they had been attached at the hip. And so they knew each other like brothers. And this is the privilege that Timothy had and Paul also had in terms of their relationship and that Timothy saw Paul in all of these different circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He saw how he responded. He saw how he led, how he chose to love, how he chose to live. And he learned so much from this person who was years ahead of him, years further on the journey than him and chose to make this huge investment into his life. And Jesus did the same thing. Because what we see in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, is this statement that John makes. And it's a powerful statement, but it's an easily overlooked statement. And John writes, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent, meaning Jesus, he spent some time with them, meaning his disciples, and baptized them. And the Greek word that John uses for spend time is a word diatribo. And dia means against, and tribo means to rub. And so dia tribo, the word that he uses here for spend time, literally means to rub against, to rub off. And it's this idea that when we spend time together, we rub off on one another. So much so that if you spend enough time with somebody, like married couples, you even begin to look like each other. And there have actually been studies on that, right? When you actually look at older couples, you're like, you look remarkably similar. And it's because you literally rub off on each other. And it's so interesting. But this is the thing. This is what Jesus did for his disciples. This is what, Timothy, or what Paul did for Timothy and what we can also do for the next generation. And that when we spend time within those in the next generation, our knowledge, our experience, our wisdom, our perspective rubs off on them. But this is the thing. They also rub off on us in a beautiful way. And that their passion, their energy, their idealism, their hope, for a better world also inspires and motivates us as well. And one of the very first mentors that I had in my life, and he really was the first father figure in my life, was a guy by the name of Tim, who was my boss when I worked for a humanitarian organization in my early to mid-20s. And the beautiful thing about Tim was, was that he would just invite me to come and spend time with him, whatever he was doing. And he had this tiny little green truck. And so wherever he was going, he would just be like, Andrew, just come on in and let's do this together when he was running errands, like going to the bank or going to the grocery store, picking up his kids, he would invite me over to eat dinner with his family. 
if he was praying one morning or reading the scriptures, he'd be like, why don't we just do it together? We would work out together. We would work together. We spent so much time together. And as we spent all this time together, we had some of the most amazing conversations, but I also saw the way that he lived. I saw the way that he parented. His wife, he and his wife would actually have fights in front of me, which was really awkward at the beginning, right? Because there would be some passionate disagreements. But one of the things that would happen was, was that I would see that even as they're having these fights, how they chose to honor and love one another in the midst of it. I saw how he, cho- how he would connect with God in prayer, how he would read the scriptures. And as we spent more and more time together, he rubbed off on me. And he taught me some of the most important lessons in life. And this is what we can also do for the next generation as we give them one of the most important resources that we have from our treasure chest, which is our time. But let me also say this about Paul, is that when we actually look at the scriptures, we're able to catch a glimpse into Paul's spiritual journey. And this guy, just as relentlessly as he had pursued Jesus' followers to try to destroy their lives, On the flip side, after he met Jesus, he just as passionately pursued Jesus because he was absolutely desperate to come to know Jesus. He was desperate for Jesus to continue to work in his life. And it was from this place of an overflow of his personal relationship with Jesus that he chose to invest in the lives of other people, including the next generation, including people like Timothy And in one of his letters to a bunch of Jesus followers in the Greek city of Corinth, Paul wrote, he said to them, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And when you actually hear that, and when you actually read that for this first time, you're like, are you kidding me, Paul? Who says this kind of stuff, right? That is so arrogant. That is so proud. And and some people will probably say, Paul, some of the things that you're thinking in your head, don't say them out loud, right? Just keep them to yourself. But I truly believe that Paul said these words and wrote these words, not from, not from a place of arrogance, but rather from a place of humility and that he had an understanding of his brokenness. And so he knew that he needed first to allow Jesus to invest into him. And then from this place that he could then invest into others. And it's the same thing with us because when it comes to the next generation, when it comes to others, we cannot give what we do not have. And the greatest thing that we can give to the next generation is to point them, to move them towards Jesus. But if we're not moving in that direction, then we have absolutely nothing to give. So spending time is fantastic. And to try to rub off on them is wonderful. But if we have nothing to give, the most important thing is pointing people towards Jesus, who is the greatest, greatest transformer in the history of humanity. Then what are we actually going to give of value? And when we look at the Apostle Paul, this is what he was able to give from the overflow of his personal relationship with Jesus. This is what he was able to do. And when we talk about, and when we think about the next generation as well, there are so many of you have invested into the next generation here in our community. And we're gonna be celebrating this this coming Wednesday at our midweek service at seven o'clock. And if you don't know what midweek is, it's our Wednesday evening service that happens at the second Wednesday of every month. And typically we have it here, but because it's summer and it's gorgeous, we're gonna be moving it outside. And so we'd love for you to join us at uh, before the service for dinner. And we're gonna have some food available And then at seven o'clock, we're gonna be starting the service. There's gonna be fantastic music and also a number of people are going to be baptized. But this is the special part. The majority of these people are people who we would consider to be a part of the next generation. 
We're talking about elementary school students, high school students, young adults, and people who are saying, publicly proclaiming, yes, I follow Jesus. And it's because people in this community, many people in this community who have invested in them. And so it's gonna be a great night. And so we would love for you to come out, join us out on the East Lawn, hopefully if it does not rain, right? These midweeks and looking at the weather report is probably the greatest source of stress in my life during the summer, but it looks really, really good. Only a 6% chance of rain so far. And so we're hopefully gonna be out on the East Lawn or for those of you who are streaming and can't be with us in person, we'd love for you to join us uh, that way as well. But this coming Wednesday, starting at seven o'clock. And there are so many incredible things that are going on all across Kensington. And Drew mentioned some of it. We have the midweek service happening and the impact that God is having in the lives of people, not just locally as well as globally. And so much of this is because of your generosity. And so we want to say thank you. And so if you would like to financially partner with us in this work, there are a lot of different ways that we can give. And you're going to see it up on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977 and then following the prompts. We can also give via the app, which is so quick. We can give via the website as well, which is how Robin and I give. Or for those of us here in the room, we also have offering boxes at every entrance and every exit, and you can place your offering in there. But we want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And so jumping back into this conversation of the next generation. And so the things that we can pass on to the next generation are not only our eyes, we can pass on our time as well. But at the same time, and this is the best image that I could actually come up for this next point, is that we can also pray for them. And I have a copy of the scriptures, and you're going to understand why in a minute, in a story that I'm going to be telling. And that we can pray for the next generation, which is so important. And this is also what Paul did consistently for Timothy. Because he writes in one of his letters, I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I'm praying for you, Timothy. And Eugene Cho, he is an author. He is a pastor, somebody I greatly respect. He's also the president and CEO of a humanitarian organization called Bread for the World. And a couple of years ago, he posted something on social media about his mom. And he told just briefly about who his mom is. And he said that my mom isn't extraordinary. She's not spectacular in the eyes of of this world. She never has started a company, never has started a blog. She doesn't have Instagram, so she's not an online influencer. None of her videos have ever gone viral. And he said, but my mom, she was born and she grew up in Korea and she didn't have much. She didn't even have the opportunity to go to college. And she lived a really difficult life filled with challenges. And she came to the United States, not for herself, but for her children in hopes that they could have a better life. And to support her family, she's worked in a small deli, she's worked in a coffee shop, she's worked in grocery stores, and she did whatever she needed to do, working six, seven days a week just to make ends meet. And then this is what he wrote in his post. He said, and when I think about how she was able to find the strength and fortitude to do what she needed to do, I think of this picture which is gonna come up on the side screens. And a couple of years ago, I stopped by my parents' home without letting them know. My dad wasn't home and all I could hear was someone speaking loudly upstairs. And as I walked up the stairs, I saw her, my mother, her head literally buried in the Bible on her knees and praying earnestly and passionately to God. Not a performance or a show, 
just humbly coming before her Lord and Savior while I felt a little awkward, quietly observing her without her knowing. I was just so moved and humbled by her prayers. For my father, for my wife and I, our children, for our ministry, and for God's, God's will to be done. This is my mom. She's an ordinary person who believes in an extraordinary God. And I stand on her shoulders. And when I read that, I was reminded of the fact and the question that went through my mind and really for all of us is that whose shoulders are we standing on? And it reminded me that my mom and my grandmother, every single day, they prayed for me growing up. And still to this day, I'm a grown man. They still pray for me because in, my, in their minds, I'm like this big. But every single day, they pray for me. And I can't tell you, hey, you know what? This is the effect that their prayers had on my life. It prevented me from doing this. It made me do this. It pushed me in this direction. I don't know the effect that it had. But because I believe in the power of prayer, I know that it has had an impact on my life. And I wonder, I wonder how many people in our lives, ordinary people who believe in an extraordinary God have prayed for us and brought us to where we are today. But at the same time, I also wonder, what if we also did this for somebody else in our life? What if we also did this for our children? What if we also did this for that person that we're mentoring at work? What if we also did this for the young adults in our neighborhood, the young families who have young children in our neighborhood? What if we actually did that as well? And so something that we wanna do right now is we, we, we don't wanna just talk about this, this whole aspect of praying for one another. We also want to pray for each other and to actually do this. And so we have four people who are gonna come up and why don't you guys all come up and join on stage. And so as they come up, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for each of the generations and each of these people are gonna be praying for a different generation. And so as these people come up, one of the things I wanna say is that also this applies for all of you who are watching via stream as well is that when I call out your generation, I wanna invite you to stand. And then one of these fine people are gonna pray and they're from a different generation. And so we have one generation praying for other generations. And so if you are a part of the silent generation, if you are a boomer and you're here in this room and for those of you who are watching on stream, join us as well. I wanna invite you to stand up right now so we can pray for you. Boomers and silent generation, we wanna invite you to stand. And so Brian, who is a part of Gen X, great generation. He is going to pray for all of us. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for those that are part of the silent generation and the baby boom generation. Father, we thank you for their devotion to you, for their devotion to country. Father, we thank you for the sacrifices and the commitments that they've made in advancing our culture and advancing our world. Father, for those who served in the military, for those who served in humanitarian organizations, all those other commitments and sacrifices that they've made, Father, in your name and as you've guided them, for those who've served in ministry uh, and, and, uh, and helped to evangelize and spread the gospel of Jesus. Father, we thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for their commitment, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, for them as they are maybe transitioning through the various phases of their life, some that are pondering retirement, some that are already in retirement, Father. Father, I pray for those who may be at a point in their life taking on something unexpected, maybe those who are raising grandkids that they didn't expect to be parenting now at this, at this point in their life, Father. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would guide them, that you would give them wisdom and insight. You give them patience, Lord God, and endurance, Father. 
Father God. Father, I pray for those who are maybe experienced loss or experiencing loss of loved ones, Father. I pray that you would just comfort them and wrap your arms around them, Father. I pray for those who might be battling loneliness at this point in their life, Lord. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word that you said you would set the solitary in families, Father. So I pray that you bring them in community with those uh, that you've destined to support them through these phases in their lives, Father. Father, I praise you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. You all can have a seat. Thank you, Brian. And if you're part of Gen X, I want to invite all the Gen Xers right now here in the room and watching on stream. Why don't you stand up? We want to pray for you. And Ava, who's a part of Generation Z, is going to lead us and pray over us. Lord God, I just pray over Gen X, Jesus. I just pray that you put healing and love over this generation of leaders, God. I thank you for my parents, Jesus, and every other parent in the room here that is a part of Gen X that is just shaping the younger generations and is molding their hearts and molding their minds, Lord. I pray for leadership over this generation, God, whether that's leadership in the home or leadership in their workplace or any type of relationship, Jesus, I pray that they show your love and your light through every situation that they're in, God. I pray that they take a step back and in a second to have your patience, Jesus, and your love, Jesus. I just pray over this generation, um, peace and humility, God. And I pray that you make their purpose known to them, Lord, and just let them know that they are so incredibly loved by you and that their work and their accomplishments never go unnoticed, Lord. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all. You may have a seat. And millennials. If you're born between 1981 to 1996, much maligned, but you all make up the largest portion of the U.S. population. You all are a very, very important generation. And so Basil, who's a part, who is a boomer, he's going to pray over all the millennials here in the room and watching on stream. Father, we thank you for this generation. We pray to you, O God, of our Lord Jesus Christ, give them the spirit of wisdom. Give them your spirit of revelation. So, Father, they will know the depth, the width of your love, the endless love, Father, and what Jesus has done for them. Father, we pray to open the eyes of their hearts, Lord, so they can see the hope that you have called them into and know the inheritance that you have for them as your children, as your sons, as your daughters. Father, you say in your word that they are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you have prepared for them, Father. Father, we pray to reveal to each of them what their part is in your plan, Lord. And may this generation, Father, do amazing things, Father, that show and demonstrate your love to everyone around them, to the world, and lay the foundation for the next generations to come, Lord so they can stand on their backs, Father, and continue your beautiful works. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And then lastly, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, anyone who's under 25 years old, we want to invite you to stand, and Kimberly is going to lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for Generation Z and Alpha. 
Lord God, these are the next generation. These are the youngest ones around. And we pray, God, that you would give them a spirit um, that follows hard after you, Lord God. We pray, uh, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in your speech and your conduct and your love and your faith. And Lord God, we just pray, God, that your blessings would be upon this generation that you would give them purpose, that you would show them um, their path, Lord God, that you would ignite a fire in them, Lord God, a revival fire, Lord, for you, Jesus. Um, we pray that you would give them peace that surpasses all understanding, that you would give them wise counsel, Lord God, and that they would be the next generation of leaders, Lord God, that they would show us your love in their way, God, and that you would just shine upon them. It says to shine your face upon them, Lord God, and I pray that blessing that they would just be favored, Lord God, and that this generation would just continue to find you, God, and know that you are there and that you want to lead and guide them. And we just pray all of this in your name. I pray blessings upon this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And I think one of the big hopes for us as a community is that the fact that we pray for one another and pray for people of different generations, that it wouldn't just simply stop right here, but this would really be a catalyst to us praying for other generations every single day. Because yes, there are big differences between our generations, but at the same time, as we've been talking about, there are so many commonalities as well. And rather than focusing on all the things that divide us, that we would truly come together, understanding that we serve a savior who died and rose again. And that is the greatest thing that binds us together and that we would remember that. And so as we move in, we're gonna actually move into this next moment. And it's a song called, We Believe. And it's such a powerful statement about what we believe about Jesus, what truly binds us together, and also what we also wanna pass on to the next generation. And so if you are able, whether you're here in the room or joining us via stream, we would love for you to stand and let's sing these words out together. desperation when all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in these broken generations when all is dark you help us see that there is only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the 
will bring us together. God will save, we believe, we believe. Let's sing it. Let the lost be found, the dead be raised in the here and now. Let love in vain, let the church live loud. Our God will save, we believe. Almost declare. As we close today and as we pray for the different generations, we actually do want to pray for one more person. Ava, love for you to come and join up here. And so this is Ava's last Sunday with us because you're going down to Nashville and you're going to be a part of a very, very exclusive songwriting program. And if you've been with us, you know Ava and she is not only, you not only have a beautiful way of leading us and you have an incredible voice, but also she has been such a powerful voice and really a leader in her generation in our student ministry. And so we're really grateful for you and grateful for your time here. But at the same time, it's not like you're never going to come back. But at the same time, we're grateful for what God's going to do in you and through you in Nashville. And so, Nate, I'd love for you to pray for us. Say anything that you want to say as well. We're really, we're really proud of you, Ava. Thank you so much for serving so well in our students and all on stage. And 
Um, if you guys know Ava, she's also a great songwriter. She'll be studying songwriting and, and singing. And so we want to send her out. The, uh, one of the practices of the early church is whenever someone served among the early church and they went to another city, we would send the church would send them out with their blessing, with favor. And so we're going to pray over her and just send her out with that goodwill and with that power and that anointing. So let's pray for Ava. All right. Thank you, Jesus for your work in our lives that you have redeemed sons and daughters and set them apart for your work, God. We're so amazed that you take us in all of our weakness, God, in all of our trials and all of our struggles and you build a life and then you pour that life out for others. And we see this in Ava, God. Thank you for a young woman that has said, I wanna give my talent to you, I wanna give my life to you, I wanna give my time to you and be a testimony of your faithfulness and your love in the world. And so we send her out to Nashville to learn, to grow. We pray that her heart would be protected, that she would increase in understanding and knowledge of who you are and who she is in you. So we send her out with our blessing and in the power of the Holy Spirit and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Ava. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us. And for those of you joining us via stream, our prayer team will be down in front and hope to see you this Wednesday night at midweek. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.